CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Options Action is brought to you by TD Ameritrade, where you gain access to research tools to help you sharpen your trading strategies. Tonight on Options Action, charting the bounce, the S&P surging more than 6% for the week. So can you ride the rally into the last week of the quarter? Plus, a big-time comeback in China. The FXI, the ETF that tracks the mainland, up nearly 16% in the last month. Is now the time to bet on Beijing? And later, we're taking your tweets as we wrap up a record-breaking first half in the options market. Welcome to Options Action. I'm Melissa Lee with Carter Worth here at the NASDAQ. Mike Co and Tony Zhang also joins us. And we begin with the S&P's big-time bounce, a week where casino stocks staples, travel, and housing names, they all moved higher. So, Carter, which are the charts, and what are the charts telling you about where we go from here? Right, so the sequencing would call for more. Let's try to figure it out together and and draw the lines. What we know is from the peak, Jan 4, we've had three distinct bounces, counter-trend rallies between 8 and 12%, and this is now the fourth. And so, if you accept this as a downtrend line, and we know we've had minor reversal formations along the way, this is also a reversal formation. Now, you can draw the lines any way you want, but one way that comes to mind is that. Now, if I clear that out, and we actually fast forward to the next chart, you're going to see I've got that in there already. And so, one, we have filled this gap. The market had a rare circumstance where it gapped two times. It gapped on um, Friday, June 10th, and then again on the 13th, Monday. We have filled that gap, and I think we're going to ultimately get up and fill this gap. And at that point, this entire move would be about 9 10%, which is very similar to the three other bounces. From there, it gets a little harder, but I think that's, if you will, a lock. Hmm. Mike, what do you think? Yeah, I think that's that's true. You know, I, I was adding uh, this week to uh, to several names. You know, one of the things we definitely saw in some of those big gaps downward was that their sentiment just got incredibly, incredibly poor. And, you know, there are a few names that are beginning to get a little bit cheaper, frankly. And the other thing is that the big driver for the market going lower has been inflation. And they, it's, there's an old saw about that. What's the best cure for rising prices? It's rising prices. And now we're beginning to see that people think that that's going to impact the economy enough that starts to pull some of those prices back. We've actually seen gasoline prices come in a little bit. And, uh, you know, one of the other things that we've seen is some more moderate talk uh, out of some policymakers. And when you get those things combined, that's good for equities. Yeah. And to Mike's point on, on inflation, Tony, what we've seen also in the 10 year Treasury yield is a is a huge round trip, basically. And, and that has led to a lot of tech names really getting a pop. I mean, the ARC ETF on the week is up 18 percent. Yeah, that's exactly right. And our thesis from last week that we saw a bit of a temporary bottom so far, that's holding. So from, But I think the important thing is still that first line that Carter drew, and it's still very much in a downtrend. But 
We are seeing some support here down here. I think that we could see rallies up as high so that 4150, 4200 on, on the S&P. But I think that rallies into that area are more opportunities to sell those rallies rather than playing for a, a sustained bounce here. Um, you know, we're looking to take profits here into our long positions over the next couple of weeks. And as we get into that 4,000, 4,150 level here on the S&P, those are some of the levels we're going to start looking at adding some short exposure where the risk reward favors uh, still to the downside. So, Carter, does a short-term bounce or a bounce of, of any length of time, does that depend on yields remaining tame or moving lower? Yeah, not necessarily. What we do know, of course, that yields have uh, sort of cooled, and we know that commodities have cooled, which is giving something of a lift to equities. But I think it's, it's really not about anything other than sequencing. For instance, what is one of the most popular things? Buying dips. What is a dip? It's something that's in an uptrend that is sold off. It's a countertrend move. When you're in a downtrend, it's the reciprocal. We've been in a downtrend for six months, and countertrend moves, rallies occur. This is just one of those. It's literally the equal and opposite of a dip. It's a rally in a downtrend. They can carry only so far, and you figure it out from there. But clearly, we're in the midst of one, and it looks like more to go. All right. Well, the S&P may have ended the week in the green, but the only sector not seeing gains, energy. This group finishing more than 2% lower, while crude also set out the rally. So will the oil slide continue? Carter's got the technicals on this. Of course he does. Carter? Well, I mean, it, it, it's ever thus, right? When something's so popular, it often at some point is right to take the, the road less traveled. Think how popular tech was. No one sold it at the top. Now they hate it. Guess what? Same thing with energy. Energy, here's the XOP, and you can use any number of ETFs, but this is a good one for oil and gas exploration. 31% decline, and the key is 10 sessions. I mean, think about that. That is a virtual collapse. Now, if you keep this in your mind's eye, let's move forward, and that sell-off of 31%, not randomly, it's right to a trend line. Let's move forward again. And what we have here is a sell-off to a well-defined, and I've tried to highlight these, they're very clear, but let's make them green. Up arrow, up arrow, up arrow, up arrow. Missed that one, let's put it in. And so, does that mean we bounce here? I think, uh, yeah, that's the idea. So let's give it one more up arrow. Bounce, off trend, after 31% decline. And then a final chart, why the XOP? Uh, here are, so, XLE in green, XOP in orange, and OIH, the laggard, right? The, the relative performance of the drillers continues to be very poor. And XLE is so dominated by Chevron and Exxon. The XOP is sort of the, the middle, and, and that's the one that I like best. All right, thanks for that, Carter. Mike, what's the trade-off of this? Yeah, so XOP, first of all, a lot of the fundamental drivers for energy, for oils, remain intact. And really, the biggest challenge to trying to purchase them recently has been that huge premium that happened after we saw the invasion. That has almost entirely been reversed. Actually, XOP was trading its high right before uh, Putin invaded Ukraine was about 110. So I think, number one, that presents an opportunity for us. A lot of these companies have better cash uh, flow generation. Now, XOP stands for exploration and production. There are some other names in there as well. There is some downstream uh, marketing and refining companies. You got Phillips 66 and Marathon Petroleum in there. And of course, we have the uh, integrateds in there too. But as Carter pointed out, it doesn't really trade like XLE because it's an equal weight uh, ETF. And the other thing is, everyone's keeping their eye on oil, but natural gas still remains in severe backwardation. And that's a bullish formation for the commodity. So I think what I would use here is a call spread risk reversal. I was looking out to August. 
110, 130, 150 call spread risk reversal. You could trade that for very close to even, selling the 110 put to help finance the purchase of the 130, 150 call spread. Basically, a, you know, a virtually no layout and premium there. And by the way, that 110 level is exactly what I was talking about. That was the highs in XOP before the invasion. So I think that would be an attractive entry point if it did get put to you. Tony, what, what's your take on this trade? Well, interestingly enough, this morning on the open, I actually traded a call spread risk reversal on Halliburton before I actually spoke to Carter and Mike. So I think that probably tells you a little bit about what I think on the trade. And basically what I had is not only the same thesis looking at the same charts as Carter, I used the exact same trade structure as Mike is using here on XOP. So instead of going through the thesis and the charts again, I think what I'll spend a bit of time is talking through this call spread risk reversal because it is a bit of a more complicated structure than we typically use. And I think the important thing to remember here is that there's a few different ways that you can break down this three-leg strategy into smaller components that you might be more familiar with. But I think the most important thing to, to remember here is that right now, the implied volatility on most of these energy names are extremely elevated. The, uh, the, uh, on XOP right now, the implied volatility rank or percentile is about 84%. So it's really difficult to buy exposure in these names to the upside. So what Mike's using here is using a call spread risk reversal, where he's effectively buying the 130 at the money calls expiring in August for about $7.50. That's about 6% of the ETF's value. And what he's doing is he's selling a 110, 150 strangle against that. And he's really selling these two wings to offset the cost of buying that 130 call. He's effectively getting that 130 call for free by selling the straddle. Now, there are some risks that you take with this because he has to buy this, uh, the ETF at around 110. But as he said before, that's the levels that, these, uh, that this ETF was trading at pre uh, the, the Russian-Ukraine uh, uh, invasion. And to the upside, your risk is limited because you're long that 130 call. So it's a trade structure that makes a lot of sense when implied volatilities are as high as they are now, but you want to buy some upside exposure using options. One group that needs all this fuel are the airlines. The Jets ETF flying high with the broader markets today, but it's lagged behind over the past month. If you think the group, though, is ready to break out, Tony's got a way to play it. Tony. Yeah, the airlines have really been hit quite a bit, especially last couple of weeks as the looming recession. But I actually think now is the opportunity to potentially capitalize on the airlines. If we look at the Jets ETF, which is an airline, international airline ETF, it's been trading in this very clear downwards channel. And just last week, we hit the bottom of that channel. And what we've seen here is a bit of a, is a, is a bounce off that bottom bound. And I think we're simply headed back towards the top end of the channel. But I think what's interesting is that despite the lower low that we made last week on the ETF itself on an absolute basis, Relative to the market, if you look at Jets relative to the S&P, it actually made a higher low. And this is the first clue that there could be some opportunity here in the airlines. And then if we look within the Jets ETF across the entire spectrum of airlines, there's really one that jumps out at me. And it's one that the analysts don't particularly love, which is United Airlines. And what we see here is that despite uh, you know, uh, uh, this, uh, an airline that all of the analysts hate, this is the one airline that has held up one of the best out of the Jets ETF and has recently actually broken out relative to the ETF. So this is really where I think that not a lot of investors are really looking here. And especially if you think about the expansion into more international travel here over the past few weeks, which booking data so far seems to back up. I think United Airlines is one to pick 
for a breakout here going into uh, the next couple of months. So the trade structure that I want to use here, I was originally planning on using a similar trade structure as Mike on our call spread risk reversal, but I do think right now the downside risks here for airlines still remain fairly high. So I'm just going to use the call spread part of that, which is going out to August, and I'm buying the 38 47 call spread for about $2.87. That's about 7% of the stock's value. But in this particular case, I'm only my risk is limited to only that 7%, and I get about a two and a half times return on my capital if we do see a fairly strong rally here on United Airlines. Mike, your take on the trade. Yeah, you don't want to sell puts in names like this one that carry a lot of debt, but they do have a good cash position right now. This is a company that made almost 12 bucks a share not that long ago, forecast to make just under eight in a couple of years. And that would mean it was awfully cheap. If it does get back there, I think a call spread is the right way to go here. All right. Still to come. Is now the time to take a new investment look at China? Stocks are rebounding from record lows earlier this year. Can you trust this rally? And what's the best way to trade it? And for everything Options Action, check out our website and newsletter. There's more Options Action right after this. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Options Action. Check out KWeb, the China Internet ETF, jumping more than 7% this week. It is now on pace for its best month in two years. And according to the chartmaster, the technicals are screaming that more gains are on the way. So, Carter, what are you looking at? Sure, let's, uh, let's do it. One thing we know is it's an 80% decline. Now, that doesn't mean anything, really, except that it's a lot. Let's put in some lines. No drawings, no judgments by me, but your eye can kind of see... Yes, that we've moved above ever so slightly a downtrend line. So let's put that in and, in fact, uh, depict it. First, we're going to look at the formation. Is that a cup and handle? You can call it whatever you want. What it represents, though, is this, that if you're in a downtrend, you should make a new low, new low. In each countertrend rally, you make a new low. Now, we made a low. We failed. But when we sunk, we didn't make a new low. And now we've made a slight new high. So let's put in that line. We are clearly above, and if you zoom in here, you can see it. We've just gone above the downtrend. And now, final chart, let's put all those lines together. We have all the elements we want. A reversal formation that's well-documented, a downtrend, and we moved above it, and that warrants a big green arrow. I'm a buyer. So, Mike, how do the fundamentals line up? It does seem that things in China, in terms of the, the tech crackdown, that's eased up. President Xi just reaffirmed economic targets for the year. Seems like the fundamentals might line up with the charts, too. Yeah, they do. And, you know, it's interesting because basically everything was going against Chinese stocks for a while. We had the threat of capricious action by the government against a number of the most prominent companies. And many times on the way down, people were taking a look at these stocks and thinking they represented great bargains from a fundamental perspective, and they do, but of course, it doesn't help you when everything's going against you. But now we have some evidence that the tide is turning. These stocks are cheap. Baba, Baidu, names like this, all trading 
less than 15 times earnings and growing EPS at better than 20%. So this is pretty remarkable. The problem is, of course, that some people are going to find it difficult to chase a 50% rally. And then also in the equity markets generally on a global basis, we still have this concern that we might just be bouncing here in a larger downtrend. So I think the way we want to trade this, I was looking out to August for an in-the-money call spread. And the rationale in using an in-the-money call spread is that you can lower the break-even on the upside, and also you can lower the decay. Why do we want to lower the decay? Because options on the KWEB ETF are quite expensive as a function of all this volatility that we've seen. The 30-40 call spread was about three and a half bucks in the money when I was looking at it today, and you could lay out a little over $4 to purchase it. So here's the way to think about this. Essentially, you have very equity-like exposure in here. We are going to have upside exposure up to that higher $40 strike if it drops below uh, that lower 30 strike, which is in the money that we own, then of course we're not going to have exposure to the downside. But this reduces the decay and it reduces the move that we need to the upside in order to break even. Tony, what's your take? Yeah, so this uh, in the money debit spread that that uh, Mike is using is very similar to a collared equities uh, position as well. So those are two different ways that you can think about it. And if you look at KWEB here, you know I took a long position here in Chinese A shares on May 6th. That's up about 17% since now since then. And I think tech is just getting started behind uh, the, the listed Chinese A shares. So if we look at you know within the KWEB uh, camp, if you will, there are a lot of different names of big tech names here. And I think that if you look the obvious uh, stocks within this particular camp are Baidu and JD.com. Uh, JD Those are the two strong performers in this ETF over the past couple of years, or rather uh, they didn't underperform as much as some of the other names in this particular uh, ETF. But one name that I do think is worth taking a look at is Baba if you are looking to potentially buy some of these individual names and take on some more single stock risk rather than diversifying in a way using an ETF like KWeb. If you look at the chart here for Alibaba, relative to KWeb, what you have here is basically half a decade of clear outperformance. And then over the past couple of years with this regulatory pressure that we've seen, a bit of consolidation over the past couple of years. And I think this is the verge or the point at which we start to see Alibaba start to outperform. They've been very quietly plugging away at e-commerce. As the lockdowns start to ease here, we're starting to see some good data out of Alibaba. I think now is the time to position for uh, you know, taking some exposure using these ETFs, but also playing uh, some single names that I think are going to outperform like Alibaba. It certainly outperformed its uh, group over the past month or so, Carter. What do you make of the chart here in Baba? Well, that's right. Baba is, uh, well, the correlation's 95% to the ETF, but uh, all of them, Tencent, uh, JD, I think you want to just embrace the theme and do it through the ETF. All right. Up next, we are hitting your tweets and answering some of your most burning questions. Much more options action right after this. Options Action. It's time to take your tweets or first of your rights. I'd love to hear what the Chartmaster's view is on Simon Properties. Thank you guys for all you do. Carter? Well, this is, uh, as is the case with so many, just really beaten up stocks, down 30, 40, 50 percent. And the question is, is it so bad it's good? I think it is. And if you're tempted to go in and buy a bit, I would be tempted. Okay. Our next tweet. Uh, one fan is wondering about the effect of gamma magnification in Google's options post-split. This sounds like a question for Professor Coe. Yes. You know, whenever there's a split, people are often confused about what happens to options. 
the strikes get divided by the split, the premium gets divided by the split, the number of shares represented by your options gets multiplied, and the gamma gets multiplied. But the important thing to remember is that the share price itself is also getting split. So when you think about gamma, they usually multiply it by the amount of dollars that the stock moves. That's also going to get divided. A $2,000 stock goes up 1%, it goes up $20. A $100 stock goes up 1%, it only goes up $1. So it all comes out in the wash effectively. All right. Our next tweet asks, Goldman Sachs has gotten hammered, price at five times earnings. Would you use a September call spread? Tony, take that one, please. So I do think the pullback here to that 275 level is constructive. However, I think this is only an opportunity if you are a true long-term value investor. By my math, you're trading at about seven times next year's earnings, which is a pretty hefty discount to the 10 times average we've seen over the past five years. Personally, I think there are better places for your capital, but if you do want to invest here, I would look at selling some at-the-money puts and really take advantage of the elevated premium and collect some income to protect yourself to the downside. How does uh, the Goldman chart look to you? Well, the thing here is that financials, the relative performance across the board, BKX, KRE, or broker-dealers like Goldman or Morgan Stanley, it's just not compelling. Mm. Uh, My temptation is to not be tempted. All right. Time for one more question. Our viewer asks, Eli Lilly, new products on diabetes and weight loss, high PE, but new drugs can impact this quarter print. So what is your play going into August 5th earnings? Mike? Yeah, I think if you own this stock, you've had a heck of a run. And I would probably be migrating out of the stock and into a bullish options position, perhaps call diagonals, owning longer dated calls and selling some shorter dated higher strike ones against it. Implied volatility in the mid-30s isn't particularly cheap for a company like this one, as you might think it would be. This, uh, it's up 39% in one year, Carter. It's impressive. And yeah. I think this is an instance where you respect the relative strength, the gap today, the new highs. It's such a standout. It must be something good going on in the fundamentals. <laughs> Coming up next, we got the final call. Stay tuned. For the final call, Carter Worth. China, a bottoming out process, KWEB, and also XOP, oil for bounce. Tony. It's time to get on board United Airlines buying a call spread. See what you did there. Mike Yeah, you know, I own some KWEB already, and I actually added some this week. Also XOP and Halliburton, a name that I sold in April when it crossed over 40. I actually started getting back into that name this week as well. All right, that does it for us here on Options Action. We'll see you next Friday at 5.30 p.m. Eastern time for more options. Meantime, do not go anywhere. Mad Money with Jim Cramer starts right now. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.